Hello and welcome back to the Perth to Paisley podcast, a slightly different intro as you can tell. I am, as always, your host Daniel McIver. I am, as ever, joined by Adam Kennedy. Adam, thank you for joining me. Hello. We wanted to start the podcast a little bit differently because we wanted to kind of have a public service announcement, a public apology, whatever you want to call it, because there was one man who last week kind of bared the brunt of a nation. He was very much at the heart, at the forefront of all anger, despair, mire aimed at the Scotland versus Czech Czech Republic result where we lost 2-0. That man then was told he shouldn't play again for the nation, was kind of encouraged not to and was told that his manager should not play him and play a vast kind of arrangement of other players. That then didn't happen, and as Scotland went out to Wembley and lined up in front of the English team, that man played, and the hearts of every Scottish man, woman and child was in their mouths until that man, Stephen O'Donnell, had world-class talent in his back pocket, and Stephen, on behalf of myself, Adam, the podcast, the nation... You're absolutely fantastic. Now play the music that we normally play. So yes, hello and welcome back to the Perta Paisley at the Euros podcast. It's episode three. As you heard, I'm one of your hosts, Daniel. Adam, thank you very much for joining me, as always. My pleasure, mate. Yeah, delighted to be uh, back discussing a positive Scotland result. Isn't isn't it such a nice feeling? Oh, it's very, very strange. Yeah, as you can tell, we're in a bit of a different mood to last week. Because, unbelievably, against almost all odds, Scotland went down to London, went to Wembley... And not only gave a good account of themselves, not only played very well, but actually got a result as we drew 0-0 with England. First of all, before we get into anything, Adam, did you expect that? Um, No, I, 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 don't, I don't think anybody did, did they really? I think everybody was anticipating that Scotland would get battered. Um, certainly, that was the case up here, although we'd sort of say that quietly, but down there it was obviously loud and vocal. It became apparent that England would batter us four, five, six, seven. So obviously the fact that we've been able to shut out supposed world-class talent um, is is very pleasing. And we've certainly shut a right few folk up, despite the fact that obviously now we've got, you know, a job to do and have to beat Croatia if we're to stand a chance of escaping the group. But I think everybody was just pleased to see a much higher level of performance um, and ultimately a better result than than in our first game. So, what about you? 100%. I went in, as I made it very clear last week, I was expecting 5-0 losses, absolutely just battered off the park in a very, very deflating way to go out of our first international tournament in our lifetimes. But no, almost to a man everyone was exceptional and that's the big thing it wasn't just that we nicked a point it wasn't that we rode our luck throughout the whole game and that England went away from that going how did we not score no we were the better team as I said to a man we were the better team and almost we could go away disappointed to only get a point but we will now go into the game as it is England made a change actually in Kind of a position I wasn't expecting them to. The front line stayed the exact same. It was a midfield two sitters of Rice and Phillips with Mount, Sterling and Foden in behind Kane. However, they made changes in the full back areas as Trippier and Walker left and then came Luke Shaw and Reese James, respectively. We made quite a few changes. We made three from the disappointing loss to the Czechs in the opening day. In came returning from injury Kieran Tierney, making his international debut Billy Gilmore, and Shea Adams started after he came off eh, after he came on, sorry, in the second half at Hamden. Looking at the teams, 
What did you think? Were you happy with our selection? Were you worried about theirs? Did you expect England to make any more changes? What do you think? Um, You say sort of unexpected changes for England. I'm actually not all that surprised. I think the main sort of criticism of Gareth Southgate for the first game was the fact that Kieran Trippier, a recognised right-back, was filling in at left-back. I just felt as though they would have watched Scotland against the Czechs and, like the vast majority of the Scottish nation, would have thought that Stephen O'Donnell wasn't at, you know, his best. Um, So were perhaps sort of viewing him as a supposed weak spot. I know that they had Luke Shaw, uh, Ben Chilwell, you know, a variety of options to choose from. So I'm not actually all that surprised that... uh, a more natural left-back, a left-footed left-back came in. Um, but as for Scotland, um, listen, Billy Gilmore was a, a, a brave call. Um, I was delighted to see Che Adams get the nod because I thought he was excellent against the Czechs coming off the bench and giving us that little bit different. So, yeah, I, I was actually encouraged by our changes, but still wary of the changes that England had made as well. What, what about you? Very similar. Um, I was still annoyed that Marshall and O'Donnell were in the team, which we will get into. I think that was always going to be the case, though. Sorry to interrupt you, Yes. No, no, I I totally, totally agree. It's the more defensive option, which, as we will get into, was proven to be a masterclass. Tierney was huge for me. I'm delighted to see that he was back in. Definitely. Gilmore was... I mean, I've been crying out for him, and I think most, as you said, most of the nations have been crying out for him. It was a very brave call, but again, another one that worked. Shea should have been starting the first game. He shouldn't. He should never not be on that park. And I think it really, really proved his quality. And, however, the biggest thing for me was that England didn't change the front line. And I know that might seem a bit weird, but I... I was almost happy they beat Croatia in the first game as I was as that made my thought process go he's not going to change that front line. I if someone said to me what is the worry you have for England I would have said that they line up with a front four of Kane with Grealish, Sancho and Foden in behind. And the fact that Sterling and Mount played I think totally totally played into our hands but going into the actual game I will be honest, it is a nil-nil. There weren't many huge moments. It was more kind of just a game that was a sum of more than its parts. I I just did not expect that performance at all. From England or from Scotland? Both. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I sort of touched on it briefly last week, didn't I, with, with Gareth Southgate. Mm-hmm. Why on earth he feels it necessary to go with Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips? Mm-hmm. is just beyond me. I actually think Mason Mount's a really good footballer and I'd be inclined to put him in as opposed to one of the other two kind of in the back four and or in ahead of the back four. I know he's not a traditional sitter like that, but I just feel as though he could be kind of, I don't know, that sort of linchpin between midfield and attack and then you've got that four like you mentioned. It just Their selections just seem absolutely baffling and it would be the primary frustration that I would have if I were an England fan um, but as for Scotland I mean what can I say I'm just, just really pleased I, I think Kieran Tierney is one of the best defenders certainly in the Premier League I'd go as far as to even say the world there you go I I think Arsenal mm-hmm. as, as much as a massive um, club or Arsenal as much as Arsenal are a massive club, rather, I think they're very lucky to have Kieran Tierney in their ranks and to have picked him up for £25 million, I know that's a lot of money to, obviously, us that traditionally watch the Scottish game, but mm-hmm. that seems like an absolute snip when you see some of the, the fees going going on down there. Um, I thought Callum McGregor also coming in, coming back in, rather, I should say, thought he was absolutely phenomenal. You know, the, the, the trio in midfield... I think I saw a stat that they all had a pass success percentage of over 90%. So that actually speaks volumes about how well we played, how we kept the ball. And the only criticism that I've got when I actually view the game was John Stones' header. What was it, 12 minutes on the clock? And it's virtually Mm -hmm. a free header. And he should score. 
that that's when I look at the performance, I think that's the only criticism that I've got. And yet I still see various media sources talking about backs to the wall type performance, sitting in. I don't feel as though that was the case whatsoever. It's not, and that I wanted to get to that because it's obviously class seeing the English media try and excuse this performance. It was really funny to see Sunis and Brown and stuff like that on the ITV coverage, kind of just laughing about it. Graham Sunis's quote being like, football isn't coming home with that team and stuff like that. That's all brilliant. But it is equally frustrating to see pundits such as Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, Mika Richards and stuff like that who are going, yeah, listen, Scotland just had more desire, they had more passion, they defended very well. Yeah, listen, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with any of that. We did have more desire, we did have more passion. That's not why we got that result. We got that result because we were a better football team than they were on that night. We had more shots, more attempts on goal, more shots on target, more dribbles completed, more passes completed. Yeah, the possession wasn't in our favour, but that's because we were more than happy to let Rice and Phillips pick the ball up on the fullbacks, who weirdly wouldn't bomb down and attack our fullbacks. They would bring it forward, stop, and play it inside to either Phillips or Rice. And we were more than content to do that. I just, I don't like this narrative that's coming. It's like, oh yeah, they just outfought us. Yeah, we did, but we also outplayed you. Yeah, it's hugely disrespectful. I mean... The fact that they're not sort of willing to acknowledge that Scotland played some nice stuff at points, got into good areas. I mean, it's no real surprise, is it? It's just the the whole build-up and sort of post-match reaction, I think you're starting to see sort of their true colours, aren't they? And they just appear a very bitter bunch. And I don't know whether that's because ultimately their national team have made them look absolutely clueless or... They're obviously just, you know, upset with the result as a fan. I mean, how many times, Christ, that's why this podcast is the way it is, because obviously I'm upset about Hearts results week in, week out. Um, but just, just, there's no need for them to appear, yeah, just so bitter. I can't really think of, an, that is probably the perfect word to sum them up, really. It's, it's, it plays into the English psyche generally within society as well. It's this kind of, well, we're the best. We know what's right. Everybody should want to be like us. And in society, that isn't the case. Much like it isn't in football either. They think that because their league is the most watched, that it's therefore the best when it's not. And they think a national team that hasn't won anything since three years prior to man walking on the moon, haven't been in a final for over 40 years, I think it is. They are just routinely terrible in tournaments. They brought out a DVD to celebrate beating the giants of Panama and Tunisia before getting beat by the first quality opposition that they came up against, but still celebrating the free kick in that game that they lost to, but apparently Scotland fans celebrating a nil-nil draw that could eventually be the reason that they get through to the round of 16 for the first time in their history. That's pathetic. It was just hilarious. It was just hilarious. People like Rory Jennings on the kickoff going like, oh, we should be putting five or six past them. Then when it doesn't happen, going, Scotland were bad. It was just down to us. Gary Neville laughing about it. Rio Ferdinand saying, I've never been more confident for a game in a championship before. And then when asked about it, he said, I've got reason to be confident sure lads continue with it go with it they buy into their own hype every single time they play and yet every single time they play they are just embarrassed consistently and they're also not willing to acknowledge the fact that Scotland have some genuine top quality football players I mean if you look at the starting 11 I can see I think it's four that don't play in, in the Premier League. David Marshall's mm. obviously at Derby. The back three all play Premier League. Robertson, Premier League. Callum McGregor, obviously, at Celtic. Gilmore and McGinn, Premier League. Stephen O'Donnell plays for Motherwell. Lyndon Dykes is a QPR striker, not even QPR's best. That's probably Charlie Austin. And Che Adams, obviously, plays in the Premier League as well. So, I think... 
whilst there were some, very few admittedly, but there were some that anticipated that it would be a closer game or a, a tight game, so, sort of not as routine as the English might expect, I think now they're starting to sit up and take notice that, you know what, Scotland actually do have a couple ballers in their ranks and they ought to be taken seriously. I think, for me, the only thing that I feel as though Scotland are missing is kind of a talisman up front. I look at your Wales, you know, Gareth Bale just, he changes the dimension of that team. Even when I was watching Spain-Poland the other night, you know, Robert Lewandowski has a quiet game but he'll still pop up with a goal when needed. I just feel as though Scotland, and it's been reflected sort of in the performances and results, I think the only thing that we're missing is something else in the final third, that wee bit cutting edge, because we've had more shots than both opponents that we've come up against so far, and only Denmark and Italy have had more attempts at goal than Scotland in the opening two fixtures. So if we can get somebody to take our chances then we would be a right good side. 100%. I can't disagree with anything you've just said there. And you mentioned a man there that we just spoke about in the intro and we need to speak about now. Stephen O'Donnell was roundly criticised, in my opinion, rightly, for his performance against the Czech Republic. And when everybody saw his name on that team sheet, we were worried. We were thinking about the English attack going right. They'll focus down there. Stephen O'Donnell probably played the best game of his international career on Friday night. And he was just incredible. Like, it looked like he was at the level of Foden, Kane and stuff like that. And just, when you listen to his interview afterwards, the mental strength as well as the physical ability it takes to come back from that should be commended. And listen, every football fan is happy to insult players all the time and often aren't as quick to praise them. I will happily, happily say I couldn't have been more wrong about Stephen O'Donnell and I'm glad he's got it right up me and everybody who was critical of him on Monday because he was just superb. Oh, but without a doubt, I think there'll be a lot of folk sort of taking a slice of humble pie, won't there? Um, mm-hmm. That looks like the player that I suggested Hearts swoop in for, but but never mind. Um, no. <laughs> um, this is where I think that the Scottish top tier ought to get some more credit as well. Because Motherwell... I don't want to touch on Motherwell too much. <laughs> but, of, of course, the season before last had qualified for Europe. Then they've pushed on by recruiting Stephen O'Donnell. And yes, it's been, you know... A season that Motherwell haven't been at their best. It's sort of, I feel as though it's been a season of two halves. The first half they were absolutely honking, but the second half since Graham Alexander came in, they've performed really well. Um, and look, Stephen O'Donnell is is a key part of. Let's face it, if we're if we're viewing the table, an average Scottish Premiership side. So, I think that speaks volumes about how good our league is and how often we sell ourselves short when it's it's not really necessary. Um, unbelievable mental strength, like you say. That just, I mean, I know for a fact if that was me, I would I would crumble after that first game. That'd be me. I'd I wouldn't want to play any further part in the tournament. So the fact that he's then turned out the performance of his life is a testament to him. And listen. You're right in what you say about players. I think managers also take a lot of criticism as well. Mm-hmm. So fair play to Steve Clark for standing by his man, being adamant that Stephen O'Donnell would turn out a fantastic performance. But I think he's even exceeded his gaffer's expectations there, as he has for most of the nation. Definitely. And yeah, speaking about Clark, he, he got it absolutely spot on, tactically and personnel-wise, which was kind of the criticism of the Czech game but I will say much like I said with Steve McDonnell I think the criticism of Clark on Monday was very fair and I think it's kind of been compounded by that result on Friday because people were like why didn't you play this team on Monday afternoon it's such a Scottish thing isn't it I mean we're, we're quick to chuck out praise but then we sort of wonder about what could have been mm-hmm. and I think everybody's delighted that we've taken a point but it's sort of raging slash gutted that we're not already sat on four points. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, I mean, it, 
this is another thing as well. I know we're going to touch on kind of the rest of the game, but while we're talking about this sort of mindset, it's all very well saying, oh, we need other teams, or, or we're dependent on other teams' results. You know, we're chuffed that Austria have won today because that means that we're in with a shout. Mm-hmm. I think we ought to just focus on getting the better of Croatia and just letting <laughs> everything take care of itself. You know, I, I, my pals are messaging like, oh, what does this mean? Who will Scotland get in the round of 16? I'm like, big man, I don't care. I just want us to take care of Croatia and then we'll let everything unravel in front of our eyes and we can see who we've got. We have to focus on our own job and then we can take it from there. I definitely agree. In a completely unrelated uh, point, it's currently still nil-nil in Finland, Belgium. Just, just saying. Just, just <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks for the update. That's there. quite. That's quite an important game for us. But yeah, you're definitely right. And of course, we will get to speaking about all those kind of results in a bit. Another person I wanted to mention, because again, I've been very critical of him, was Grant Hanley. Uh, I have a personal bias against him due to his exploits at club level for Newcastle, but. He was just solid. I saw a thing that he has the highest win percentage in aerial duels in the entire tournament, 89.67%. No, you're bang on. I think he's been immense. I even said in the first game that whilst some might be quick to kind of pin blame at him for the first goal, I actually feel as though he's not really put a foot wrong. And, you know, he was decent against the Czech Republic. He was absolutely outstanding against England as far as I'm concerned. You know... All the all the talk this summer really has been Harry Kane's next steps. The fact that he's probably outgrown Tottenham. All the transfer talk, all the speculation. Is he off to Man City? Is he off to PSG under Pochettino? This, that, and the other. And ultimately, he's been pocketed by Norwich City's captain. So, you know, it, it's just crazy and. I know Harry Kane's not at the best tournament. I think there's a stat that he's only had something like six touches in the opposition box. So ultimately, he is starved of service. And whilst the England selection then comes into that, again, we need to sort of praise ourselves. And I thought the back three, I know they're going to be aided by the addition of Kieran Tierney because that's just a a perfectly natural thing. But Grant Hanley was exceptional. I also thought Scott McTominay was immense. Um, Mm -hmm. His performance against the English was as good as the song that has now been emerging on social media and has been stuck in my head virtually ever since (laughs) Friday night. Um, So, listen, that that three I'm delighted with. And ultimately they reap the rewards for a, a solid defensive performance against England, definitely. Well, from one three to another, I just thought the midfield three... It linked so well. I will say, I was a bit annoyed at John McGinn for getting booked for Descent. Like, 15 minutes in, that's how you get booked. Especially when his entire game is like breaking up the play, tough tackling. But, I needn't have worried at all as he played a fantastic game. Billy Gilmer was obviously the standout. Who, I I will be honest, I thought in the first half he was fine. Like, I didn't think he was amazing. But in the second half, he completely came alive. But for me, genuinely, I thought Callum McGregor played such a subtle role, but was crucial to the way we played. Absolutely spot on. Couldn't agree more. I thought that Callum McGregor was was excellent. And, you know, I, I touched on my concerns with how many games he's played. Um, d- didn't seem phased whatsoever, did he? Um, and... John McGinn, it's funny you mentioned obviously his book of for descent. I fully expected it to be for a kind of crunching tackle on Jack mm-hmm. Grealish just coming off the bench, <laughs> sort of teammate yeah. on teammate at club level. But yeah, that, I mean, those two and Billy Gilmore. I mean, how good is Billy Gilmore? Uh, honestly, it's scary. It, it's actually ridiculous. I mean, how, how old is he? 19, I think. 19. 20. 19 years of age I'm actually going to google it just now so am I he is he's 20 all the news he's 20 he's just turned 20 turned he's 20 just 10 turned days ago. Twi- so he's no longer a teenager and he's 
turning out or he's turning out that type of performance it's just absolutely incredible um and listen rangers might have undersold him initially but i've got absolutely no doubt that they'll have negotiated some some big sort of clauses um incentives i mean we've, we genuinely do have a superstar on our hands and how weird is that to say as a Scotland fan we've actually got like potentially a future world class player along with a couple current world class players I'd say yeah. which which, yeah, which is great I mean <laughs> as as quick as we were to sort of break them after the Czech Republic now we're sort of sat here foaming at the mouth aren't we about this supposed world class talent so <laughs> um, it'd be interesting to see what happens after the Croatia game but uh, <laughs> but no it, we have reason to be encouraged. Like I say, we just need to take our chances because we've actually performed really well in both games. Yet, we're the only team not to have scored at this tournament so far. <laughs> well, we will now speak about the strikers because I'll focus on, for me, the positive side. I, For me, Shea Adams was my man of the match. I'd, especially his first half performance. Pat Nevin, a couple of weeks ago, or 10 days ago or so, on View from the Terrace said that Scotland fans don't appreciate Shea Adams yet because we've only seen a couple of times for him and particularly when you're watching a Southampton game, the majority of the Scottish population aren't Southampton fans so they're not really bothered about what Shea Adams is doing. If he scores a couple of good goals, we'll always be like, on match of the day, oh, they're quite good goals, but that's it. I felt Friday night, particularly that first 45, we saw what everybody was speaking about. He, he is like a different level to whatever we have. He was just brilliant. The only thing that was missing was a goal, and it wasn't for a want of trying. No, definitely not. Um, uh, listen, before we talk about him, what what did you make of the the chance that failed him at the back stick? You think you think he should score? Because I, I, I've discussed it with a few folk. I, I'm not I'm not so sure. You know, I just feel as though he's at a tight angle. I don't think he's got a lot of time to think about it. Um, and yes, I think he should take it down on his right and hit it with his left. Sort of cut in and, and bend yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. But from the actual angle he hits at it, I think if he connects with it better, because obviously he kind of just sclaffs it, but if he connects with it better, I think he's got a better chance. But even then, I think it would be a fantastic finish if he had scored it. Particularly if it's a cross Pickford into the bottom corner, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think I do agree with you. I think some people were giving him a bit of a hard time for that chance in particular because yeah, I think it is harder than it looks. Yeah, no, I, I was just intrigued to gain your thoughts. That's all, mate. And then his partner alongside him was Lyndon Dykes. I thought Dykes was fine, as I have thought Dykes has been fine the last few games he's played for Scotland. I just, this may be harsh because I know it isn't really his game. I find him very lazy. I'm not going to criticise him massively because he played in that game. I saw it's like he's in the top two percentage of aerial duels in the whole tournament as well. Like He wins a lot in the air. I just felt there was a lot of, a lot of times where he could put pressure on particularly the full-backs and it when he didn't, it meant that other players had to kind of roam a bit and put that pressure on. I'm, I'm delighted you've said all this because I look at it and think, I, I can... Oh, how, how am I trying to word this? I can accept you being lazy if there's an end product, yeah. but he's so frustrating to watch. Like, it's actually incredible. And I know that sometimes it's not to do with him. And we spoke about in the first game how everything was lumped up forwards and long to him. And then it's sort of flick-ons, kind of second balls, this, that and the other. I, I, I feel he's fine in a partnership, but there are times where I'm expecting a little bit better hold-up or to kind of roll his man and... Ugh, I don't know. I, I thought he was probably Scotland's worst player, I've got to be honest, at Wembley. Yeah, I agree. I fully, fully agree um, with that. But, again, what can I really say? I mean, it, listen, the, the best chances that we've had have fallen to him. And I feel as though if they fall to Che Adams or probably Kevin Nisbet, it's a different story. Um, 
but hopefully, hopefully I've sort of got this all out in the open and he proves me wrong by grabbing a hat-trick against Croatia. That would be nice. Well, this is the thing. We criticised Stephen O'Donnell alongside the whole nation <laughs> and he was class. So we're now criticising Dykes and he will. He'll score a hat-trick against Croatia and be a legend for the rest of time for Scotland. <laughs> He'll go on and score no further Scotland goals but we'll always think back <laughs> to that hat-trick against Croatia. Who'll give a fuck he did that? Um, but yeah, listen... Just a fantastic performance. It adds to it that it, it was in a derby and that it shut up that lot. And that was class. I just find it laughable for anyone to think they'll get past the semis if they'll oh. even make it to the semis. Because like, the semis is generous. I mean, I'd need like a tournament tree in front of me. but Yeah, no, I don't know who they'd play. That's the thing. <laughs> this, this whole sort of third or best of the third place teams really does mess everything up, doesn't it? I know, I know. Trying... but I love it because it means that, that we could get through it, so fuck it. Well, true, matter. true. And ultimately, I think they they were talking about it, weren't they? Sort of, if England, if England were to top the group, that they'd come up against somebody from the group of death. So that would be fantastic. Mm. An early exit would be great. It would be absolutely superb if Scotland made it through and we got, like, I don't know, somebody... Somebody beatable, like a Sweden or Appar- something. I was just about to say, apparently if we finish third, we could get Sweden, because it looks like they're about to top their group. Yeah, that, I mean, that... <laughs> See, if we made it to the quarters and England crashed out <laughs> in, the, in the last 16, that would just cap it all off. That would genuinely be phenomenal. And we could just have that. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> it wouldn't even matter. They could literally... They could slag us, slate us all they wanted to. They had the chance to ultimately do better in the group against us, batter us, didn't, and we've ended up going further than them. That would be tremendous. But, like I say, it's all pie in the sky, and we just have to focus on beating Croatia first and foremost. Well, let's speak about that, because yes, as this podcast goes live in three hours' time, Scotland are playing their final Euros group game at Hamden against Croatia, both teams know that with a win, they're probably going through. The reason I mentioned the Belgium-Finland game a wee minute ago is because if Belgium win, then it means that if we win, regardless of the scoreline, Scotland go through. So we are obviously going to finish recording before the Belgian game finishes as it's only like half an hour in just now. Yeah, it's th- but, 38 minutes gone and it's nil-nil in both Finland, Belgium and Russia, Denmark. So, that's currently the situation because earlier today Austria beat Ukraine, which eliminates their group from being able to finish th- uh, to be able to go through. Sorry, because the most that Ukraine could finish on was three, whereas us and Croatia, there is a chance one of us could finish on four. But yes, oh, I really don't know what to say about this. Croatia have had the exact same results as us. They've we've they've got one better goal difference than us. They're on minus one. We're on minus two. I have absolutely no idea what to expect. Oh, Denmark have just taken the lead against Russia. So as it stands... That's helpful for us as well. Denmark would go third on three points. So it doesn't even matter what happens in the Belgium-Finland, if it were to stay the same. So that's that's excellent. Sorry, just literally just taking the lead there. As a, as a this, is exce- this is like we're on fucking Soccer Saturday <laughs> getting the results. Oh dear. But yes, obviously, yeah, Croatia. Big, big game. And Scotland's recent record is good. Play Croatia. Don't say that! Don't well, say that! Because it's going to be the one game it's not. Well, <laughs> that was my worry, admittedly, because Scotland have played Croatia five times, drawn the first three, and won the last two. Oh, so there you go. God. Honestly, listen, I'll be up front here. In the kind of weekend before the Czech game, I was so nervous, I was so excited, I was feeling sick, everything. And then the Czech game happened, and I was furious. <laughs> and so that meant that the remaining week, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was not bothered about the England game, because in my head, I was like, we're just going to get absolutely battered here and knocked out the tournament, and that's it, done, I've made my peace with it. Then we played like that, and got a result, and now all we need to do is win... And we're through, and now I feel like I can't breathe thinking about it. 
it's mad as well how sort of you look I say you look forward to a big game you're thinking about a big game all week and nerves sort of gradually take their toil and whatever and then you wake up on the day and sometimes you just get that feeling sometimes you just feel as though it's going to be a good day and it it all I I do sometimes it just all goes out the window Um, listen it would be a fantastic birthday for for my wee sister because Rachel turns uh, 21 the day that Croatia plays Scotland so if we make it through you know the Kennedy household will be absolutely bouncing (laughs) Um, but it'll be a good birthday present a late birthday present for my dad and sisters whose birthday is today as we record this oh there we go (laughs) So it would be a class birthday extravaganza across the 24-hour period. Oh my god, the omens are far too good. <laughs> no, don't say this! Because this is the thing, I know we're, we're speaking about the Euros, but we're at Perth to Paisley, we're a Hearts podcast. The day before, the, the day before my brother's 8th um, birthday was the 19th of May 2012. Oh my word. So his birthday was the celebration. And it was like... It's leading up to it, it's going to be a birthday present, and it actually happened. And now everybody's saying, oh, late birthday present for my dad and my sisters, you're getting it where it's like, oh, on your birthday, you get that as a present. There's too many things and I don't like it. Please, lightning has to strike twice, come on. Right, getting into the actual team, there is a very, very notable thing, however, that could scupper the whole plans. The whole thing knackered. Yep. As the man of the match in the England game, the man making his international debut, Billy Gilmore, has been ruled out as he has tested positive for COVID-19. As we currently sit here and speak, there is no one else who has been asked from the Scotland camp I was going to, to say <laughs> self-isolate. <laughs> Can we just get into that for a split second? How, it. from a hug, have Mount and Chilwell been asked to isolate but the entire team who's been who was hugging them in the game and have been staying with them and training with them and played table tennis on their instagram stories <laughs> i was gonna say are, do you notice how quickly that was taken down as well yeah. <laughs> how are they all fine honestly mate god knows this, this is where we should have cut to like jason leach and he could kind of give yeah. us some wee speech as to how, how this has all happened um, i will say i'm not complaining i hope it stays the same <laughs> Oh, he'll be back in time for the quarters, so so that's good. Exactly, so it's fine. When we get France in the quarters, we'll need him to beat them, so it's all right, don't worry about it. But I yes. mean, he's taking care of one Chelsea teammate in Mason Mount. I'm sure N'Golo Kante <laughs> won't be a problem. Exactly. That's a big loss. Our best creative player, arguably, is missing. So, who do you replace him with, if it was up to you? Oh, <laughs> I've got I, I've got someone in mind. I know who you're gonna say, and as much as I'd love to sort of be riding that wave with you, I don't get the impression that Steve Clark will do that. I I I agree. I don't think for anybody who has not seen my Twitter, I suggested having McGinn and McGregor the sitting two, and in behind the two strikers playing David Turnbull in a ten. I imagine he'll play Stuart Armstrong in the 10. Oh, I'd, I was thinking something else even entirely different from that. I'm, I'm happy with either Turnbull or Armstrong. Maybe oh. maybe not as much Armstrong. I, yeah, I, same. I, I, I would, I would like to see... I mean, I'm a big fan of David Turnbull's, as you know, as most mm-hmm. of my pals know. Um, I, I've got a feeling that he might just call on Jack Hendry and move Scott McTominay into the middle yeah. of the park which I think that's very likely I I get the impression that that's what he'll do but I, again I much prefer McTominay at centre half same I think he showed on Friday night that he's better in that position without a doubt That I mean can I just say I was the visionary I saw it but that's <laughs> fine not a problem <laughs> no I, I, he is going to move McTominay back to centre mid isn't he now, yeah. now that we're discussing this I mean, fair play. If he if he chucks Turnbull in, arguably at the deep end, then he's put Gilmore in from the start against England and Turnbull in against Croatia. That's pretty ballsy from Steve Clark. And I don't think many would have anticipated that he would be making those sort of big calls 
come tournament time, given he hadn't sort of contacted either to be part of Scotland squads in the lead up to the tournament. Yeah, I I fully fully agree. I would. It's an interesting one because he kind of does have those three options. Keep the midfield two and either play Turnbull, keep the midfield two and play Armstrong, or mix it up and go back to the starting eleven almost that we had against the Czechs, basically. But it's a game we need to win, and that doesn't mean you just abandon defensive hope. That isn't what happens. Likewise, now I would keep Stephen O'Donnell in for example. And he doesn't seem like that type of gaffer either, does he? I mean, we watched yeah. his Kilmarnock team. You know, they were tough to beat and ultimately carried a, a little bit of attacking talent to get them through games. But for the most part, it was built on, you know, solid foundations and ultimately not giving up points easily. So I'd, I don't get the impression that you'd just chuck or sort of rip up the plans and chuck that all out the window. Can I be honest? I feel as though we're actually crying out for more of an offensive change. I'm I'm more concerned with who starts up front. So am I. As opposed to at the back and in midfield. Because I've touched on it, obviously, the fact that we've had more chances, or had more attempts, I think it's only Denmark and Italy, like I say, that have had more than us, dominated both games, and yet we've got nothing to show for it because we're yet to score in this competition. So... The offensive aspect is a bigger concern for me, if I'm honest. I I definitely agree. I'd be playing a front three almost. I know Turnbull's in the ten, but Turnbull in the ten, Shea Adams one side, and I would start Nisbet personally for me. Yeah, so would I. Hundred percent. I I just think he offers something. I know I've saw a lot of people on Twitter, right, and I totally understand this, saying that Adams and Nisbet are too similar. And I get that in terms of maybe... Uh, well, I almost don't think that's right, purely just because I think the point is that Dykes is something different to them both. I don't necessarily think Adams... presence and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily think Adams and Nisbet are similar players. They're just not Lyndon Dykes. And I get that. But I feel that Adams has done... His hold-up play against England, for example, was fantastic. I thought it was better than Dykes. No, of of course, I, I I would agree, and it's funny. Again, if I'm looking at, it, I'm thinking David Turnbull's club side Celtic last season when they had Odson Edward and Lee Griffiths up front, neither of them were polit- or neither of them were particularly um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prolific. No, no, Large. Bo- bo- both were prolific, but neither were a big boy. Neither were a, were a yeah, target man. Yeah. And again, I've touched on sort of wanting. Ryan Fraser, James Forrest, Lyndon Dykes. If we're looking at that as a trio, that'd be fantastic in terms of if we're needing to sort of abandon a... Th- Not that Steve Clark would, but if we are to abandon a 3-5-2 and go kind of 4-3-3, I just feel as though Dykes, as a focal figure up front, with Fraser running off and Forrest running off either side, makes a lot more sense. And the three of them off the bench... You know, the two wingers in particular running at tired legs, giving Dyke some service up front. Granted, I know that he's had that and hasn't scored as of yet, but I just feel that makes a lot more sense than bringing those two in Nisbet. And I feel as though Kevin Nisbet deserves a chance because ultimately he scored for Scotland more recently than Lyndon Dykes has. I know it was yeah. in that Dutch friendly, but talk about making an Still impact. Still against the Dutch. Yeah. Exactly. And, he, and in what? Less than a minute he's come off the bench to score? I think you touched on yeah. it was a matter of seconds. So, yeah. what? Why not? And, and yes, it, it would be a ballsy call and it's a big call. I don't think it's one that he'll make, but it's one that I would make. I will also say I'd start Gordon as well. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't think Marshall put a foot wrong. On Friday night, that would be the harshest drop of all time. It would be, and that's the thing: he's not going to be dropped. He's going to play. But I worry there's going to be a moment in that game where David Marshall, David Marshall's it, and everybody goes, "Craig Gordon would have saved that." Oh dear! Now you're just tempting fate, aren't you? I know that worries me. My biggest worry for me personally. And the most important thing I think we need to focus on is put John McGinn on Luka Modric. 
That, for me, is the biggest thing. I know, obviously, the Croatian midfield is unbelievable. People do not give enough respect to Kovacic, but particularly Brozovic. Without Brozovic, Inter Milan would not have won the week this season. I don't care that you've got Lukaku and Martinez doing so well. Brozovic was absolutely crucial. Antonio Conte in February was quoted saying if he could pick one player to keep from this team, it would be Brozovic. I know he's not been that great this tournament, but Croatia as a national team haven't been great, that great this tournament. It is an aging squad, but that midfield is dangerous, and I think it's going to come down to that, which makes the Billy Gilmore loss even worse. I do think whoever wins that game, it's going to be because their mid, it's going to be because their midfield has won the battle. And that's what's kind of encouraging because I know that Luka Modric is a fantastic footballer. But he, he's ageing and mm-hmm. may not have the legs. I feel as though we've got to go gung-ho. Um, you touched on it there. Croatia haven't been at their best. You know, they've not won a match since March. Um, and didn't win in the build-up to this tournament. Lost at Wembley and then drew with the Czechs at, at Hamden. So it's going to be very intriguing to see what happens. And like you say, I think it probably will be determined by the midfield battle. Um there's no doubt that Luka Modric would be the pick of the bunch out out both teams. I think that's fair to say. But like I say, my, my concern would be legs in and around him, but there's no doubt in his ability to pick a pass. And and funnily enough, Croatia, again, I've, I've touched on kind of Scotland needing that talisman. I don't think Croatia have looked the same since Mario Mandzukic retired from international duty yeah. as well. So hopefully we can keep the likes of Ivan Perisic and all that quiet. Um, but yeah, just just hope that for once we can take our chances. That would be the main thing. Right, I need a score prediction from you. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me. Oh god, I'm feeling just a a one nil because I oh I I, I, I worry about where the goal is going to come from. I, I really do. I think. There's only one player in the Scotland squad that scored more than five international goals. Mm-hmm. And do you know who it is? Oh, God. It's not going to be an attacker. It'll be McGinn. It is John McGinn. Ten goals yeah. and 35 caps. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God. I, I do worry about sort of our, our attacking threat. Um, watch, it probably will be McGinn. McGinn in 1-0. Yeah. <laughs> You? I th- I think it's going to be two all, two all. I think it's going to be another situation, another hand like, and heartbreak, like what happened with Serbia. We'll be two one up, and in the ninetieth minute we'll equalise, but we won't have extra time and penalties to bail us out. It will be. We'll have given a, and ourselves a neither. test. Exactly. That means both are out. I, ju- I just can't see it. I think, listen, if somebody said to you, you'll only lose one game in this Euros, the one team I wouldn't have wanted to be, like, or if you said to me, who's the one game you're going to lose to? It wouldn't have been the Czechs. But I think a draw against England and a draw against Croatia is nothing to kind of scoff at, but I think we will be very Scottish and miss it just. Oh my god. Oh no. Now, we started li- this podcast with so much energy. I know, that's, that's literally the nightmare outcome. Are you just... Yeah. Oh, I don't want to speculate here, but I just feel as though that's, I will that's say, reverse psychology. I, yeah, I thought... I said we were going to get absolutely battered yeah, on I, Friday. I know you. I know, you, I know exactly <laughs> what you're doing. However, I will, I will say... I don't think they. Li- I don't think the team listened to us. I don't think Tierney has us on in the dressing room beforehand. <laughs> no, I suspect not. But hey, we, we could be pleasantly surprised. Right. This is it then. Thank you very much for listening. I will say, we're probably going to release our pod if we get through. We will end up releasing a podcast earlier because I think we'd end up playing before the next podcast goes out wouldn't we oh 
Wouldn't, wouldn't it be on like the Sunday or something we play after the Croatia now game if asking, we get through um, let's have a look so round of 16 fixtures are the 26th 27th 28th and 29th of June so it could well be there's a chance there's a chance yeah if if we get through and we are given the date that is after our usual recording date so for example we record on a Monday if we play on the Tuesday onwards, then we'll just do what we normally do and release our podcast as usual. But say we play on the Sunday or the Monday, we'll release a podcast before then because obviously you want to get the Croatia reaction and you won't just want that bundled in yeah, with a, a, another game. Ahead of the build-up as well and whatever. So yeah, so there's two two Saturday, two Sunday, um, two Monday and two Tuesday. What I do love is the fact that it's a five and then an eight kickoff. So ah, that's, okay. that's good. Right, so that's the plan. It may not happen. It is the biggest game in a generation. All I hope is that we actually give it a go and not feel like we've, we've cost ourselves it. That's my biggest, biggest aim. What about you? What's your message oh. to the national oh, team of don't, Scotland, oh, don't Adam? Say that. <laughs> what I would say is you've got the opportunity to do something that no other Scotland team has ever done. And it's brilliant that you've ended the drought in getting us to a major tournament. It's been 23 long years. However, think how good it will feel to be within that group, that first group that has got Scotland beyond a group stage. And then there's no pressure at the knockouts. It's a case of, we're here, let's just have fun and do ourselves proud. Give a decent account of ourselves and que sera, sera. Couldn't have put it any better myself. So thank you very much for listening. We have been Petty Paisley at the Euros. You can get us on all the social medias at Petty Paisley. You can also listen to the podcast on YouTube if you fancy. However, we are also available on all good podcast platforms. Please, please, I can't even talk. I'm so excited. Please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It massively, massively helps us. Adam, where can people follow you on Twitter so that they can see your reaction to this game? They can follow me on all the socials at Adam T. Kendall. And you might want to do so because I'm just looking at live score here. It appears as though it will be either the Sunday or the Tuesday. Um, so okay. obviously, get following both of us on Twitter, and you'll have a better idea as to as to when it is. What about yourself? One hundred percent. I am at dmcaiver twenty two. Good luck to every single player in a Scotland jersey ahead of tonight's game, as this has been released. We will see you in the next episode. We'll either be delighted. Or distraught, but we will see what happens. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Come on, Scotland!